There's no doubt we all have adversity and setbacks, but I look at them as opportunities. I look at them as, as I, you know, a lot of people have asked, what do, what do you think is one of the keys to your success? And for me, it's, it's an easy answer. It's my attitude. My attitude is absolutely everything. I'm no smarter than anyone else. I'm no better skills wise than anyone else, but I'm happier than most people. And I bring a fresh, positive perspective to every boardroom, to every meeting, to every team I interact with. Is today your best day ever? Are you happy, grateful, motivated, and living your best life? Is this even possible? In this episode of The Creator Community, we meet CEO and author Scott White, who shares his key principles to make each day your best day ever. The steps to get there are much smaller than you might think, and your attitude each day plays a dominant role. Making the intentional shift to a positive mindset is one of the key lessons of today's episode and one of the most important things we can do to improve each day for ourselves and those around us. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast for book publisher, New Degree Press, powered by manuscripts. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. In this show, we learn about the authors, their journeys, and their books. This year, NDP will cross over 1,700 published authors on six continents and has earned a spot on the Inc. 5000 list for the second year in a row. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. If you've ever thought of writing a book but weren't sure where to start or how to finish, visit manuscripts.com to learn more. This is episode one of season six, and today I have with me Scott White. He is the author of The Life is Too Short Guy, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever, which is due out this January 2023, wherever you buy books online. Scott, the Life is Too Short Guy, is the happiest guy you will ever meet. After spending over a decade in investment banking on Wall Street, he took a chance and became an entrepreneur and business builder. <clears throat> Today is chairman and CEO of a public real estate company. Scott is always looking for the next challenge and has completed one Ironman triathlon and 15 marathons. Now Scott is on a mission to make the world happier, one smile at a time. With his endless energy, he motivates and inspires everyone he meets to focus on happiness, gratefulness, and positivity. Scott, quite a bio. Great to see you. Welcome to the show. So pleased to be here. Great to see you, John. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, and uh, what a lovely time of year it is, and what a great topic to kick the year off with, right? Happiness, positivity. We've been through this COVID thing the last several years. We've all been locked in our homes, trapped in some way, shape, or form. So I love the energy and the story about your book. Before we dive in there, Scott, let's learn a little bit more about your background, this really interesting journey you've had to entrepreneurship. Well, it's been a, you know, you mentioned I'm a marathon runner, and I like to say my career has been a, a little bit of a marathon, a a a winding, meandering, sort of passing through various types of careers. And I, I graduated from school and started as an accountant. I was an entry-level accountant at Pricewaterhouse for a couple of years, then decided to go back to law school, graduated law school and never practiced law, went straight into investment banking, or I spent about 15 years on Wall Street doing capital raising, M&A. And then, as you mentioned, I, I took a chance. I left Wall Street about a decade ago and Got involved with a, a couple of different entrepreneurial endeavors. Today, I'm CEO and chairman of a publicly traded healthcare real estate company. And I'm also a founding partner and a strategic advisor to a student housing development company and owner. So right now, most of my business is in the real estate space, but I've, I've passed through a few other spaces along the way and the marathon continues. I have a lot more I want to do. 
hearing a lot of stories around resilience here. And certainly it must have taken an enormous amount of positivity to get through all these changes and, you know, building you've done because there's been challenges along the way, no doubt. But speaking of challenges, you know, how, how did you come to writing a book? How did you find this program? And, and more importantly, with the schedule, Scott, how did you fit it into your life? Well, the program was just a blessing, just amazing. I really think you 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 come across people and opportunities in your life for a reason, and this was one of them. I've wanted to write a book for forever. It's, it's one of those on your to-do list, your your bucket list, you want to write a book, but I didn't know about what. I was sort of, I, I always thought of myself as a jack of all trades, master of none, what are you going to write about? And then about two years ago, I was working with a new executive coach, his name is Kevin, and Kevin, in our second session, after he'd gone through some assessments of me, he said to me, dude, you are like Mr. Life is too short guy. Everything is rah, rah, get it done today. Urgency, fun, happy. I'm like, yeah, I think that's right. And then I, I mentioned that to my wife. And and that night, she she said, maybe that's the book you always wanted to write. I said, maybe, but I don't know how or what it would be about. But but you know, she she's really good at, at planting a seed and then watering that seed and and letting that seed percolate. And over the course of call it early 2021, I started mapping out a, a little bit of an outline and I, I made it all the way to probably page three. And I was like, all right, well, I, I don't know where I'm going to take this. And and that's where it ended. That That's where it ended in, in March of 2021. And then early, I'd say first week of January, 2022, I saw Eric, the, the founder of this program, speak in a webinar. It was a webinar primarily focused on the YPO community. I'm active in the Young Presidents Organization community. And I was just enamored. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And Eric said, anyone that has a concept or an idea, schedule a call with me. I think I was on the phone with him the next day. And, you know, I was I was a little bit sort of, well, you know, I have this idea around, I'm, I'm the CEO of a company and I could do something on HR and building cultures. And I've written about that. And then I got this other idea. Life is too short, guy. Live in the moment. He's like, that's your book. And I'm like, like I said to my wife, I guess, but what's the book? And he said, embrace it. I could see your energy you will figure it out along the journey. And it's been an amazing journey. One of, if not the best things I've done in my life. That's incredible. And I love the fact that you pointed out that it's not always like, here's my idea, here's my 250 pages. Nope. It's it's the journey, it's the process of getting through it. You know, how did you find the time to do this? Because one thing that was really interesting about watching your journey from my vantage point was you just like, there's different types of writers, right? Deadline writers, episodic writers, you're like a sprint writer. You just sort of dove into everything and were ahead of the curve every step of the way, which was pretty unusual. Well, you know, how did you fit this thing into your life and make that work? So, you know, like everything else in life, we one of the things I talk about in the book is, is minutes matter. We all have a finite number of minutes in our life. And I don't think enough people are proactive in how they use them. So use your minutes however you want, no judgment, but be thoughtful, be specific, and choose how you use your minutes. And once I dove into this, I got so excited that it became my passion. It really overtook a lot of what I was doing. Now, look, I have a full-time job. I run a public company. I mean, I have a family. There are other things. I didn't give up everything, but there was sacrifice I had to make. And there were some 4.30 in the morning writing sessions. But when you love it and you're excited and you're passionate, it's no big deal. You find a way. So instead of watching a TV show, instead of reading a book, all things that I enjoy doing, you're like, you know what? I'm going to write today. I'm going to, and it wasn't even just writing. You know, one of the things that was so fun, exciting, and amazing about the program, it was it was positioning. It was marketing. It was learning all the the research. I mean, the writing is only a small element of it. it it's, it's building a book. It's building a, a, an entire story around your book. And it was just so much fun. I love that. And, you know, we make time for what's important and what drives our passion and purpose. And clearly that's the case for you. And it's always 
really fun to watch from my vantage point when you see authors make that flip from, I've got this book because it's a bit messy at first, right? You're researching, doing interviews. You're like, where's this thing going? And then all of a sudden, one day it sort of flips. And then it's, I can't wait to get back to my chair and start typing again. It's clearly you had that and you certainly got there faster than most. This cover, the hourglass, right? The title, I love how it looks. It came out in the colors. How did that, how did the cover come together for you? It was an iterative process and it it really involved my author community. One of the things that I took away from this program that I'm very proud of, maybe one of the most proud things, is that this book was written by a community. This book was not written by me. This book was written by a community. And I had so many people, friends, family in my network. And when I say so many, I mean hundreds of people that are involved in my story and my journey. And that included the cover. So I'd say probably my wife, Jen, came up with some of the original concepts. She's the the art director around here, the marketing director, the CFO, and everything else associated with the book. And, and she's been a partner in this. She came up with some original concepts, ideas. We worked with the NDP artists, who are amazing, by the way, went back and forth, threw some things out to our community, got some responses. It was actually really cool how many people embraced the cover. You know, when you ask for help on... You know, I want people to beta read or I want people to proofread. You got some interest when you when you throw out, I want ideas on the cover. Everybody's an expert on the cover. <laughs> and and it really went back and forth many times. It, 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 I'm really pleased where it ended. It's exciting. It's fun. But it was an iterative process. I really appreciate you highlighting that fact because, right, some people think that a book, right, you have, as I said earlier, you have this idea, you just start writing, there's your 250 pages. But you said, I love the word you used, you build it, right? You build chapters, you build stories, you build them into chapters. And the, the process for the cover sounded very similar. And that's very much by design. And the beauty of it is engaging your audience along the way because, then they have buy-in, they have support, and it's amazing what kind of energy you can get behind a creative journey and how that can really deliver results early on. And you had one of the most successful pre-sale campaigns in this program's history. What was your, how, how many books did you sell in the pre-sale? What was that like for you? So I was, like everything else, I, I went all in. I, I followed the plan that, that New Degree Press laid out, and, and it's a comprehensive plan. I remember, you know, go through your LinkedIn, go through your emails, go through your Facebook, go through your sort of anyone that you have interactions with, build a list. And I built a list of probably a thousand-ish people that that I had touched over the last year, plus or minus, may, you know, maybe even some longer than that. And I, I went hand-to-hand combat, one at a time, reaching out, texts, emails, some calls. I wouldn't say a lot of calls, but did exactly as I was instructed. I spent a lot of time on it. Like before we talked about it, it wasn't just about writing the book. This was a big part of it. And I'm proud to say that I sold about 750 books in the pre-sale campaign. And, and I'm really excited about that because it gave me massive momentum now heading into the launch. To get that is incredible. Congratulations. And I'll just share with listeners, most authors sell 250 books lifetime. What Scott is sharing here is that he sold 750 books about five or six months before the book even was published on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and wherever you get books. That is incredible. I think the fourth most successful campaign in this program ever. So let's dive into the book. Life is Too Short Guy. What is this book about, Scott? What, What is the message you're trying to get out there for people? So the book is a reflection on my life philosophy, my life philosophy of living in the moment, making the most of every minute, be positive, be proactive, be energized, enjoy your life. You know, too often we we let minutes go by. And one of the concepts I talk about it is minutes matter. Um, and it's just like if you look at the book cover, it's it's the the sands of time going by. We all have the same number of, of minutes and, and we don't know when the last minute's going to be. 
So embrace today and make the most of it. And I talk about some specific moments in my life where I had aha moments. And even more interesting, because you can only hear so much about my life, I incorporated probably 15 or so other amazing people and their stories and their journeys of of major aha moments, major catastrophic injuries, death of a child, attempted suicide, overcoming cancer, those types of things, and what their takeaway messages, what their lessons are. And it is my hope that readers will read this and, and take away, you know what? I'm not waiting for that to happen to me. Today's the day. Today is the day to live your very best life. Embrace it. Don't wait for tomorrow. You've got 525,600 minutes this year. That's it. Is is the number, right? And you talk about that in the book. And I love, you know, how do we embrace each of those moments? And and clearly you've done that. And and before we dive into a little bit about some of the deeper things in the book, who do you think the audience for this book is? Who's, Who's this written for? Everyone, literally everyone. And and I debated that as a concept. And and maybe you and I even talked about that because John, you've been very instrumental and helpful coaching me through this process. And that, you know, you really need to define your audience. But for me, everyone can be happier. Everyone can. I wrote the book in a very simple, very storytelling style. It's not an academic book. It's not a a difficult book to read. In fact, everyone that's read it to me so far said they could pick it up and read it very quickly. You know, I, I give you some examples. I mean, it's everyone, but but it could be someone that's graduating high school and embarking on the next stage of their journey. It could be someone graduating college. It could be somebody getting married. It could be somebody dealing with divorce or illness. It could be somebody at a transition in their career. It could be somebody that's late stage in life that is now in in sort of the, the final chapter, so to speak. It's never too late to live your best life. And that's the beauty of this. It is my mission to make the world happier one smile at a time. And I want everyone to read it. I think everyone can and will read it. It's never too late to live your best life. I love that. So, Scott, to get through this, it takes a lot of pain, time, energy, or maybe maybe some pain, but obviously for you, there's a lot of joy in this as well. But you know, why did you write this book? What was your mission in pulling this thing together? It is truly to make the world happier, one smile at a time. It started as I want to write a book. So had we had this exact same conversation a year ago, what's your mission? My mission is to write a book. As the and and you said this really well, and, and I think it's a point worth emphasizing. I didn't show up with a, a whole plan. I didn't show up with my chapters. I didn't show up with my outline. I didn't show up with my key message. I showed up with a I'm a happy guy. I'm a really happy guy. I'm excited. I'm energized. I want to spread that message. I have watched too much unhappiness, sadness, and depression, and and all of those things that we've observed over our lifetimes. It often sort of upsets me as I look at people we live in the greatest country in the world. We live at the greatest time in history. And sure, you could always look at things through that negative lens. I've always encouraged people to find the positivity. And as I started writing the book, I realized, you know what? You were put on this earth to spread this message. It is your sort of purpose in life, at least now. And I think people's purposes and missions change. I'm not sure we have one mission in life. But right now, it's to spread this message, to make the world happier for people. I get so much joy. I can't even possibly convey it in this conversation. When I get emails, and I got them throughout this process, because I've been posting a lot on social media of, you know, you inspired me to go visit my mom, who I haven't seen in a couple of years. Two, start writing a play that I haven't thought about. Three, start writing that book that I hadn't, that, that I've been thinking about. Four, and I could just keep going through this list of all these people, literally. I mean, these are emails I could show you that some texts that have reached out to me and said, listening to you, you inspired me to X. That motivates me. That fires me up. That gets me really happy. What's awesome about that from my perspective is 
you put out this message of positivity and the common responses I'm hearing in those stories are, you inspired me to take action. So yes. not just be happy, but, or be more positive, but that positive mindset allowed me to get over to some hurdle to actually take action and improve my life. That's incredible. No doubt. And that, that's one of the key messages in this is, so look, you can tell people to be happy and the, the, the sort of naysayer or the negative response be, all right, fine. So I, all right, eh, look, I'm happy. What do you think? <laughs> right. But, but it's about a mindset. It's about, it, it's about waking up in the morning and what's your first thought. One of the things I talk about in the book is first thought of the day. It's really important. I, I ask people all the time, what was your first thought? Most people tell you, I don't know. I didn't really pay attention. Okay. Time to be proactive. Others well, sort of, oh, it was cold. It was dark. It's the middle of the winter. I have 12 meetings today. I have a doc's one. I woke up this morning, literally this morning. It's it's January. It's dark. It's cold. I was out running 15 minutes after I was up and I ran seven miles. I Within minutes of waking up, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm next to the woman that I love that I've been married to now for 25 plus years. My kids are home. One of them is in college. She's home today. I have the opportunity to be on this show today. Literally, I mean that on John's show, which I'm I'm honored to. This was a not an easy process to be invited to be a part of this. And, and by the way, I had all these thoughts within 15 seconds of waking up. I've set the tone for the day. These are the types of messages that I'm trying to deliver people. Take action, small things, small changes in your perspective in your life, make you happier, will engage the people around you and make them happier. And like I said, I'm trying to make the world happier one smile at a time. So I think we're getting a little bit into kind of the key principles of this life is too short philosophy, right? So have positive thoughts when you wake up and think about, you know, what is what is going to make your day better, right? As opposed to dwelling on the negative, because that's so easy to do. So what what are some of these key principles and how does you pull them together? How I pulled them together was sort of just a reflection of my own life. What What's important to me and, and how do I explain my philosophy? So there's 10 core principles. I'll run through a few of them. I don't think we'll get through all of them. But, but the foundational one is attitude is everything, the power of positivity. Attitude is everything, the power of positivity. You have the ability to control some portion of your happiness. One of the findings that I didn't that I came across in my research, which most people are, are mind-boggled when I tell them this, is that you know, if I were to ask you what percent of your happiness do you think is is predicated on your circumstances, your job, your car, your house, your wealth, you are, let's go the other way, you're dealing with a death in the family, you're dealing with divorce. What percent of your happiness is 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 a function of that? Do you, do you have any idea? Ten. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. But most people wouldn't say that. Most people think that their circumstances, really that, that that new car, that new house, that new marriage is what makes you so happy. It's not. It's exactly right, John. It's 10%. That's brilliant. Very few people get that. 50% is genetic. 50% is pre-programmed, you know, just like your hair color and your eye color. But what's interesting to me is 40%, think about how big that pie is. 40% is based on your attitude, your perspective, how you view the world. Right now, we live in a world where often the formula is work hard, find success, be happy. What if you were happy to motivate yourself to work hard to then find success? Change that attitude, change that perspective. So attitude is everything. The power of positivity is a key principle. Another principle is choose your attitude and own it. 
Be proud of, of how you approach the world. Another one is little things make a big difference. And there's a whole bunch of concepts in there, including smiling and singing and whistling and, and daily reminders of gratefulness and happiness. Another key principle, the fourth one is funny things are everywhere. Laugh, laugh at yourself, laugh at others, laugh at the world around you, smile and enjoy life. Another one, which we talked about already is minutes matter. I talk about, and I do a little bit of a math equation here, where I say when you're born, you have about 80 years of life, plus or minus, make your own assumptions. 80 years translates into 42 million minutes. You make your own judgment of where you are in that spectrum, but you know, let's just make an easy judgment and say you're halfway through. You're about 40 years old. You got 21 million minutes left. You're going to sleep a third of those. You got 14 million le minutes left. You're going to invariably spend some time with illness and in the final years of life where you won't have the ability to really maximize every minute. You probably have 10 or 12 million minutes left if you're 40 years old. If you're older, you have fewer minutes left. Think about how you're using your minutes. Minutes matter. Another key concept is can't make it alone. The power of the community. And I talk about research, one of the longest running longitudinal studies on what makes a happy life started at Harvard in the 1940s. And it's a wonderful study with a lot of key tidbits. But the basic takeaway to summarize it in a sentence is those that were happiness are those with the greatest social connections. That simple. So those are some of the key concepts. There's a bunch of others, John, but but that gives you a flavor for what the what I call Litzig, life is too short guy Litzig principles are. Unbelievable. You know, it makes me think of a, a time I was out skiing in Colorado one time and I was meeting some friends. I was alone. I get in the chairlift line. And this uh, ski school was coming through, little kids, like five years old. And the instructor says, hey, can you, we have one extra kid. Can you take him up with you? And I was like, sure. The kid walks over to me. We get in the chair. And we're riding up. And I said, how long have you been skiing for? And he said, a long time. And I was like, how long could you possibly be skiing for? You're five years old. And he said, two years. And it really hit me. This whole concept of, you know, we always say life goes faster as you get older. And it really realized like two years was 50% of his life. But as we get older, right, 50% of your life is a much bigger chunk. And it really made me realize this concept of how life seems to go faster as we get older, because every second is a smaller piece of the pie for us. And I love that you've dug into this so deeply and gotten into the math. So where do you think this philosophy came from? How did you develop this? So I think it, it evolved, and I emphasize the word evolved, because I don't think there were sort of two or three key moments in my life where all of a sudden, pop, here's the idea. I think it evolved. I do think there were a few milestones in my life. And, and the first one I think back to is, when I was 10 years old, I was 10 years old and I'm, I'm working in the house with my dad on a project and I hear him yell. I notice he cut his finger and, and he ended up going to the emergency room that night. Again, I'm 10 years old. My mom comes into my room in the middle of the night to say dad had a heart attack at the hospital. Turned out dad was was fine. Dad left the hospital and, and a few weeks later, he flew across the country. This is the mid-1980s for triple bypass surgery. As, as you can imagine, there weren't a whole lot of surgeons that did bypass surgery in the 80s. And I remember with, with very clear distinction, the moment my dad called after his surgery and I'm a 10 year old and I take the phone from my grandmother and hold up to my ear and I, I hear him say, Scott, Scott, it's dad. And I just remember falling to the floor crying, realizing how close I had been to possibly losing my dad. And I, I think that was a foundational element that, that then evolved over time. You know, I was there on 9-11. I was a couple of blocks north of the World Trade Center. And I watched the second plane come around down the Hudson, make a turn, bank on its side and go straight into the building. Mm. Watched the buildings collapse that day and, and live just a few blocks away, right across the river in, in Hoboken. And I think that was a defining moment for me. In fact, the day before that, 
I was career, career, career. I'm climbing the Wall Street ladder. I'm going to be the, the, the youngest president of investment banking, whatever the case may be. And a month later, my wife and I decided it was time to start having a family. And a year later, we had our first daughter. So that was a certainly a salient moment in my life where I realized minutes really do matter. And then the other two would probably be the deaths of both of my parents. Both of my parents did die fairly young. My dad at 65, my mom at, at 70 years old. And, and you know, losing the first parent was a real shock to the system that evolved my perspective. And then losing my, my mom about five years ago, I think really solidified that live in the moment, make the most of every minute. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Be happy, be positive, embrace your opportunities and think about how you're living your life. Interesting to me that you won a lot of I'll say unfortunate circumstances kind of drove this philosophy philosophy for you. But as you've evolved and grown in your own life, it seems like more positive attributes have actually helped feed more positive attributes or outcomes in your life. Is that a fair statement? No doubt. And, and you know, some of it's observational, right? We self-reflect and we realize what works for us and what doesn't. And I realize, and, you know, you mentioned before, adversity and setbacks in, in careers, there's no doubt we all have adversity and setbacks, but I look at them as opportunities. I look at them as, as I, you know, a lot of people have asked, what do, what do you think is one of the keys to your success? And for me, it's, it's an easy answer. It's my attitude. My attitude is absolutely everything. I'm no smarter than anyone else. I'm no better skills wise than anyone else, but I'm happier than most people. And I bring a fresh, positive perspective to every boardroom, to every meeting, to every team I interact with. And I can inspire and teams to perform. And I think that's my salient defining characteristic in, in both my career success, my, my family and social success, however you define success, everyone defines it differently. But for me, the key driver really has been this Litzig philosophy. Incredible. And you've got so many examples of it and stories throughout the book, your own and people that you talk to right along the way and learn from, you know, what story really got to you that, that you want to share with our listeners? I'll tell you, a lot of them got to me. I will tell you that that as I did these interviews, I, I shed a few tears. I really did. As I went through this process, and as you read the book, you will see there are some very unbelievable experiences that, that people overcame. The, the death of a child, an attempted suicide, the death of a spouse, overcoming cancer. But I think the one that resonates the most with me, in part because I was there, was the Eric Legrand story. So Eric Legrand was a football player at Rutgers University. And in 2010, I was on the in the stands with my family at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. And I watched as the Rutgers football team kicked off, the Army receiver raced down the far sideline and boom, all of a sudden there's a massive collision on the field and, and the players are slowly getting up, but one player doesn't get up. And and that player ends up getting carted off. And as Eric Legrand goes through the tunnel, he, he starts a new life. And, and he told me in the interview how he was, he remembers being in the hospital bed, hearing the surgeons or doctors say to his mom, he'll never walk again. He'll never breathe again on his own. He'll never eat solid foods. Actually, we, we hope he actually makes it to the surgery. And now I guess it's thir almost 12 and a half years later, as I talked to Eric, Eric has gone on to become a sports broadcaster. So he broadcasts on, on Sirius and ESPN radio. He's written a book. He's a motivational speaker. He runs, he, he started, owns and runs a coffee house in New Jersey. He's about to launch a bourbon brand. I mean, I could just keep going through the list. But what really stuck with me is his smile, his attitude. Wow, you think I'm happy. There's a happy guy. In it. And he said to me, Something that really stuck with me. He's like, Scott, you know, I, I can't dress myself. I can't 
brush my teeth. I can't drive myself, but look at all that I've done. There are no excuses. Like you can do it. And, and I just, I want readers to take that away as an action item. Like, wow, stop with the excuses. Stop with the, I can't stop with the, oh, I'm afraid or the risk. Today's the day. And, and I would say the Eric LeGrand story, and he's just an amazing human being is, is one that really resonated with me. So he continues to have these physical limitations today. He is. He, he, is, he, he is completely paralyzed from his shoulders down. He has some mobility in his shoulders and, and his neck. He can move around, but he's confined to a wheelchair and, and has uh, you know no, no movement below his shoulders, can't move his hands or anything like that, and still has all the success. I, I don't even think I listed everything. I mean, the awards, the, the recognitions, he had a clothing brand. I'm probably forgetting about four other successes he's had, if not more. But but that's not what stuck with me. What stuck with me is his attitude. Another thing he said to me is, is you know, Scott, you, you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you you have a month to live. And I think to myself, that's wonderful because he could have told me I have a day to live. So here's a guy that's had so much adversity delivering that message with a smile. It's just really amazing and powerful. And one of the stories that, that stuck with me amongst many really just amazing human beings, their stories of overcoming and, and learning. It might be uh, some inspiration for this unfortunate news in the NFL this week with DeMar Hamlin and his injury, that there's certainly hope out there. And attitude just determines so much of it. I love that message you have out there and so many powerful messages here. Scott, what would you say is your hope that readers take away from this book? I really hope people change their perspective. I hope people, even if just a little bit, I'm, I'm realistic. And, and for me to say here, I want everyone to be the happiest person in the world. I want everyone to make every day the best day ever. That's not realistic. And if you set unrealistic goals, you, you don't ever accomplish them. Realistically, I'd love people to walk away smiling. I love people to think a little bit differently. I'd love them to think about when they order their coffee in the morning, saying hello to the barista on the other side of the counter. I'd love them to think about a random act of kindness. I'd love them to think about taking that chance. What is it that we all have those sort of, you know, I kind of like to, or I really wanted to. And for me, by the way, it was the book, right? Had you and I spoken five years ago, we would have been at a cocktail party. You're like, ah, so, you know, what's kind of one of the things you'd love to? Ah, someday I want to write a book. Well, stop with the someday. As you read this, you know what? Today's the day. Today's the day. Take it, Take away from this an opportunity to smile, to be happy, to take some chances and live your best life because tomorrow's not guaranteed. It's so, so true. I love this idea of, Jump out of bed and go right to positive thoughts because it's so easy to go negative with all the media and all these things we have around us that are always perpetuating this negativity. And your whole concept here is like, all right, that's there, but you don't have to let that own you, right? Take your own journey, take your own path and find your way to positivity and how you've inspired so many to take action and overcome that maybe limiting belief or negativity that was holding them back to finally do something that's meaningful to them. Love that. Scott, how would you say the book has changed you? You know, what have you learned about yourself along the way? Oh, so much. So it's changed me in that one, it's it's really put off a, a laser target on what my mission is right now. Again, like I said before, we talked a year ago. What what's your mission? What's your purpose? What's your goal? Why are you writing the book? Well, I want to write a book. Now I am, I I have evolved and I'm inspired and motivated to really make the world happier. I always wanted to make people laugh and smile and be happy. And I always was that sort of the happiest guy in the room, Mr. Positive. But now I feel like I have a platform for sharing that message broadly, both through the book and 
a, a speaking campaign that I'm launching this year and getting out and telling the story and inspiring and motiva- motivating people. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is clarity around what I want to accomplish and my mission and my goal as it relates to delivering this message to the world. Clarity, purpose, refining your mission even more. That's such a, a beautiful message. You know, you talked about all these people you've interacted with and touched throughout this journey and all this great feedback you've gotten. But what's been one of the bigger unexpected positives that's come from writing the book for you? The people I've met along the way. No question. That That's actually been the greatest fun of this. So I, I put them in sort of two categories of people that that I've, and maybe I shouldn't say met. I'm going to change that word to interacted with, the people I interacted with. So in one bucket is all the people that have been in my life for 50 years now that that I haven't interacted with in decades, that all of a sudden there was a reason to interact with. I, I had that massive pre-sale campaign. I've been posting on social media and I re-engaged with people I haven't seen since high school, people that I worked with 25 years ago. And that was amazing. So that's bucket one. Bucket two, which is even more interesting, is the new people I've met along the journey. I have met truly amazing people in part through the network and networking and, and you know, my my what I call my lit sig author community have put me in touch with some amazing people that that have really motivated and inspired me. You know, I I so so one example, which wasn't through the network, but just through the book, I was at a winery out in Pennsylvania, out in, in the, the Pocono Mountains, and, and this was over the summer. I'm in the middle of writing the book. I'm all fired up. I'm excited. I'm happy. And I see all these posters and, and signs about happiness, gratefulness. I'm like, wow, it's almost like this is my winery. This is fantastic. I go on LinkedIn. I figure out who the owner is. I ping the owner. His name is Randy. And Randy and I have now become very close friends. And Randy has had me to the winery, has had me on his podcast. In fact, I think Randy may be writing a book right now. Shh. And, and by the way, that was in part my inspiration on him. That wouldn't have happened but for the fact that I'm writing the book and I see, I, I, I see him and I see sort of his message at the winery. Another great example, I, I have a friend in the network that that knows I'm writing the book. He introduces me to one friend who introduced me to a second friend who I think introduced me to a third friend, happens to be the president of one of the largest distributors in the in the US. And, and now I've become very good friends with Rich. And Rich is an amazing guy who, who said, Scott, I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to help you make this a huge success. And he said he's going to put in a big order to buy the books and he's going to help me distribute it. Amazing. I have another friend, again, through the network. His name is Eric. Eric is is in the television business, in the production business, a very close friend of mine. And over the summer, we're playing golf. He's like, Scott, when when you're ready to market this thing, I want to introduce you to, to Lauren. And Lauren is is in the PR space. She focuses on radio and satellite media tours. And, and Eric introduced me to Lauren. And now Lauren is working with me on building out a very robust and amazingly robust radio and media tour to get out. I mean, I, I think I'm now booked in about 30 different cities this month in either radio or television. All this happened because of the book. And because I, I I worked my network and and I'm so excited about that, nothing was more fun than interacting one with people from my past and two all these new people I met along the journey. Absolutely incredible. And I would say that one, I think a lot of this you would have accomplished on your own, but you also took this existing process and really lit it on fire in a in a big and positive way and just took it and maximized it to the nth degree. And you've just done that swimmingly. Unsurprisingly, you're gonna have but 1,250 books sold before it even hits Amazon. So congratulations on that. Thank you. So incredible. This media tour coming up, very exciting. Uh, what's next for you? What are your goals with the book? 
I really want to get out and speak. I really want to deliver this message. I want to get on stages, corporate stages, university stages around the country, maybe around the world someday and, and tell this story. Talk about the book. Talk about the people that I came across in the book and the key messages. I want people walking around, smiling, whistling, singing, random acts of kindness, celebrating life, enjoying the moment, interacting, focusing on humor, all the things I talk about in the book. I would love nothing more than to get on stage every day and tell this story and inspire, motivate, and, and get the world, make the world happier one smile at a time. Love it. What a powerful message. And I love the goals and ambition you've got for this to try to just make the world a happier place. And as you've shared over and over again, you know, you don't have to go through a, a almost life-threatening injury to do it, right? There's been many cases where it wasn't as quite as severe, but you can take that inspiration. And once you find positivity in your life, it can build upon itself and get that negative voice out. I recently heard from a, a course I'm taking, the gentleman, it's actually about positivity, interestingly enough. And he talked about the fact that you need to be positive at least 75% of the day. And that is where the flip changes, right? You can't be positive 100% of the time. Things are going to happen. You're going to stub your toe, right? <laughs> Something's no going to happen. Scott, if people want to learn more about you in the book, where, where can they go? It's the easiest way is to check out the website, lifeistoshortguy.com. Lifeistoshortguy.com has all the info on speaking, on the book, on my email to get in touch with me. So that's probably the best way. Incredible. And it's not just yourself and the NDP community that loves your book. I, we've got a great quote here I want to share with our listeners from Josh Linker, five-time tech entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author and venture capital investor. His note about your book is, a brilliant practical guide that will change your perspective and your life. White weaves together a tapestry of compelling, thought-provoking, and emotional stories to force the reader to take action and live a happier life today. The Life is Too Short Guy is packed with tools you can easily use to make every day the best day ever. Wow. How did it feel to get that quote from Mr. Lenker? Amazing. I love it. I, I, I'm so appreciative of the early praise quotes that I was able to receive. I'm appreciative of all the reviews that are starting to pop up on Amazon. You know, to me, it's it's a way of, of observing how the world is, is taking in the message and it's positive reinforcement. You know, when you, when you started, and, and John, you and I met very early in the journey. I, I, I want to say maybe two weeks after I started, I was I had massive imposter syndrome, and I was like, you know, no one cares about what I'm going to have to say. Like, I'm happy, but does anyone care? And now that the book is done, and I hear people sort of saying, "This is not only through their quotes, but through their actions." I'm going to see my mom. I'm taking that chance. I'm I'm writing that manuscript. I'm whatever the case may be. I realize I'm having a positive impact on the world, and that excites me. I I really appreciate you putting that vulnerable statement out there, which is this imposter syndrome. It is a powerful force and everybody feels it. I, I think I vividly remember the exact conversation you're speaking of. Where you're like, what do I have here? Do I have anything? I don't know. And you, believe you were me, incredibly helpful life. early on. I, I'd say you didn't ask what the hardest part of the process was, but it really was sort of getting that, where are you going with this? Like, it's I, I love to write. That's easy. I'm willing to work hard. I'm motivated. I'm excited. But I really, for the first, I'd say, probably a couple of months. I want to say weeks, but it's probably a couple of months. I was like, I don't, there's nothing here. Like no one really cares about what I'm saying. Like I like to write, but no one's going to want to read it. And, and John, you were just amazing in terms of helping me iterate on the ideas. And, and we went back and forth a few times. And I give you a lot of credit for sort of keeping me focused, keeping me inspired, motivated. So thank you. Well, you're really kind for saying that. It's been a lot of fun to have a little bit of a front row seat to the journey here. So impressed with what you pulled together and no surprise the success you've had. Scott, Great to see you. Thank you so much for coming to the creative community and sharing your story. Thank you so much. Take care.
Scott's book, Life is Too Short, Guys, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever is available now wherever you buy books online. Don't forget to subscribe to the creative community on your favorite podcast channel, YouTube, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts out there. If you enjoyed this episode and want to leave us a review, please do. And if you're ready to write your book, visit manuscripts.com to learn how to turn your idea into a book. I'm your host of the creator community, John Saunders. Keep creating.